You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight it's a special holiday 2023 episode of Fusion Patrol. We'll be looking at the 2023 Doctor Who Christmas special, The Church on Ruby Road. Start with an episode synopsis. Ruby Sunday is just your run-of-the-mill foundling, left newborn on the steps of the church on Ruby Road on December 24th, 2014. And now, just weeks before her 19th birthday, she's working with Davina McCall to find her long-lost family. But mischievous creatures are causing a series of prank-like accidents that complicate things. As the weeks pass and her birthday approaches, Ruby faces an increasingly serious series of accidents, which seem like bad luck, but are not. All the while, a mysterious stranger who calls himself the Doctor keeps an eye on Ruby. Carla Sunday fostered and adopted Ruby, with whom Ruby still lives in an attic mansion. Upon returning home on her birthday, Carla has news. They're getting a newborn foster baby that very day. What a coincidence! A child born on the same day, albeit a completely different time of day in a completely different year, than Ruby. Luckily, the new baby, Lulabelle, is not a foundling. Now that would have been a coincidence. When Carla pops out to the shops to buy some supplies, leaving Ruby in charge of the baby. Ruby gets a call from Davina McCall, telling her that they found no trace of her family history. Distracted, the creatures steal Lulabelle. Chasing them onto the roof, where a rope ladder climbs high into the sky, Ruby tries to follow them. Along comes the doctor, who joins her on the rope ladder. He explains that these creatures are goblins, and they're going to eat the baby. And them for that matter. They are taken aboard the ship and trussed up while the baby is prepared to be fed to the Goblin King, a monstrous Jabba the Hutt sort of creature. The Doctor and Ruby escape their captivity by, I don't know, talking to the ropes or something. Anyway, they get out, sing for the Goblin King, escape with the baby, and life returns to normal. Except it doesn't. Another series of coincidences and the goblins have taken Ruby by going back in time and stealing her when she was left at the church. The doctor goes back and, using his gloves, drags the flying ship down onto the spire of the church of Ruby Road, killing the Goblin King, rescuing baby Ruby, and showing a distinct lack of curiosity about the woman who left Ruby behind. Back in the present, all is as it was, and the doctor leaves. Beginning to piece together the pieces of the puzzle, Ruby chases after the doctor, and with just a bit of help from her neighbor, the sinister Mrs. Flood, she finds the TARDIS and enters. Hint. I, I, I would like to give my wife's review of this episode to start with. So my wife and I watched this uninterrupted. We watched it live as it was going out. Um, we, I wasn't taking notes. You know, she was not, my wife was not distracted on the phone shopping for groceries or whatever. I mean, she, just, we, we sat and watched the episode beginning to end and I didn't speak. I didn't take notes. I wasn't 
thing. And, and when we got to the end of it, the credits ran and my wife just sat there and she said, uh-huh. Um, and that was her review. <laughs> well, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Church on Ruby Road? Uh-huh is, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad review. It's not a bad review. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I guess I would separate out the, uh, I was kind of focusing on the performances of Shooty Gatwa and Millie Gibson because, yeah, it's first full Shooty episode. Haven't seen Millie Gibson before. So part of me is wanting to kind of assess whether I'm going to enjoy a series of, of, of watching them. And on that score, no real worries there. I mean, I just, I, I thought they were great. In terms of the episode itself, I guess I was sort of a bit comparing it to other Russell T. Davis. I mean, the obvious one is the Christmas invasion, right? He's introducing a new doctor in a Christmas special. And I can't remember what my first reaction to the Christmas invasion was. I've watched it a number of times and we've watched it and discussed it for the podcast. But that was after, some years after it, it first went out. And I I really like it, the Christmas invasion. And so in some ways, this, you know, comparing this or comparing it to Rose, again, another one introducing a new doctor, new companion. It didn't it it didn't feel quite as exciting, I suppose, in in some ways. And I don't I like I said, I that's I'm separating out the kind of shooty shooty Gatwa Millie Gibson performances from that, because I did think that they were really good. And in some ways it kind of it followed the mould a bit of the of the, of those other episodes in the sense that it is an episode where the kind of monster of the week is some fairly kind of peripheral disposable nonsense. It is so minimal in terms of the plot. What he's doing is he's shifting aside everything else so that you can focus on the new characters slash new actor and get to know them a bit, I I guess. You know, in, in, in terms of which I, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my finger on it. I've only had the chance to watch it once, but it felt like there were elements in this story that just weren't committed to. I don't want to describe it as by numbers because I don't think it was really, but it's like the, the, the whole thing of, of, um, Ruby having been kidnapped and be and, and the timeline changing, that was very, it felt to me very, it's a wonderful life. And I could imagine okay. that Stephen Moffat would do an entire episode out of it's a wonderful life. And it would be, you know, the, the, he, he, he would get the absolute full mileage out of it. Um, the, the, the goblin stuff there, there, I, I had no idea why the ship just kind of, exploded on the spire i don't i'm not complaining i wasn't i wasn't sufficiently invested in the the goblin plot to actually want it to carry on longer than it needed to but um i guess you know the the kind of adjunct to that and the thing that you may remember i complained to you over text when they released the goblin song as a single the week before 
and in the lyrics, it talks about them feasting on coincidence. And I did say I didn't think I was going to enjoy a plot that Russell T. Davis was writing about goblins that preyed on coincidences. And again, I don't think that I, I, I suspect from your synopsis that you agree with this, but I don't think that he really committed to the coincidence thing. Again, you think Stephen Moffat does this. He is going to make sure that everything in the episode dovetails with everything else in the episode, that nothing is not a coincidence. Whereas in right. in the kind of what was supposed to be the coincidences here, well, like you say, you know, there were various fairly substantial differences between the two babies and the, and a kind of series of accidents and what that was supposed to do. I had no idea. I had no idea what that was supposed to mean. I, I mean, I get that, you know, having the kind of goblins running around and reaching into frame to trip someone up or to knock a glass off the table was part of the kind of mischievous nonsense of the episode, but it didn't feel like it was, didn't feel like it was quite fully explained. So, I, 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 yeah, I mean, just to sum up, I guess I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it probably more than any of the other RTD episodes that we've had this year, but not as much as RTD episodes we've had in the past. Okay. I, I mean, I, uh, I have, I'm trying to make a, I'll start with, I'm glad Doctor Who season is over for a few months because it, this is kind of, in a way, it's exhausting because emotional roller coaster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I tell you what, I I decided uh, as a as a thing going forward, I'm going to try to make a, a concerted effort to draw forward something positive, positive things. I, I you know not just not just me nitpicking. I'm gonna I'm gonna positive. And I struggled for a couple of hours to come up with anything that I would put in the positive category uh, in this story. And I ended up, but I didn't hate it. And and I was, I was, you know, kind of vaguely diverted and vaguely entertained while watching it. I didn't hate it. It was not until I started thinking about it, don't think, don't think, don't think, um, that, you know, I realized looking at my notes, they're just unrelentingly negative. And so I, I've spent some time and I, I came up with the best I could do. Uh, it was a pleasantly mediocre diversion. <laughs> I, I I could definitely say there are things and I loved. It was boring I mean, in places. For example, did you did you like the Goblin song? Did was that not brilliant? I, I mean, it's partly spoiled by the fact we had it a week early. But was that not brilliant? I would say that it was yes, as an in-world song thing that they did. I thought that was well done until Shooty and. Uh, well, until the doctor and uh, Ruby started singing, because then we have that conceit of musical world where people can just spin rhyming lyrics out of their butts on the spot. <laughs> and yeah, then that kind of took it down. And of course, that part was hidden. They didn't release that part. I could see that being a ritual song that the goblins sing whenever they eat a baby, <laughs> you know, in which case then, OK, fine. It's it's a it's a baby eating carol, but then you carry it one step further and it becomes a musical and it's like yeah uh, no, I can buy that up to the point where the doctor finishes singing because he's 
yes. supposed to be this super intelligent alien who thinks six times as fast as everyone else. You can imagine him coming up with the lyrics and he, and he, and he knows what he's going to do. He's had a moment to do it. Whereas he puts right. Ruby on the spot Ruby on the spot. and she, 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 she's, she's got to come up with her own lyrics with a human brain. Bit tricky. Yep. Yeah. And, and admittedly there is that little bit where she kind of rambles into a nonsense word um, can't remember what it is off the happy to greedy eating or something like that to get it to rhyme, which you kind of go, okay, well, yeah, but then she still managed to second verse after that. And <laughs> like, yeah, Oh, that, that didn't, um, but, but uh, you know, the story at points was dragging for me. And then it, at times there was stuff going on and it was kind of interesting uh, once in a while, the music would rise above the background level. At one point, I thought Ray Gold's doing quite the nice poor man's James Bond there for a moment, <laughs> but mostly no. Um, and and so I, I hate it. I just hate thinking about it, which is why I say I pleased with a little bit of a a break because what, I really what, do not what about? like thinking. <laughs> well, well, I'm, In- I'm still, I'm still, I'm still curious whether there are there are other positives. And one of the things I'm I'm wondering is this is the first episode where it's okay. you know fully Shooty Gatwas the Doctor. <laughs> How did you find him? Not buying him yet. I'm I'm like apparently I'm in the minority. It seems like the internet is like, my God, he inhabited that role just in an instant, and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, he seems forced and unnatural. Really? So, yep. I don't I don't buy that at all. Um, so far. Oh no, I'm loving it. Right. You know, so for example, David Tennant's doctor is confronted by a werewolf, and he goes, "Oh, you're beautiful," and somehow he sells that as. You're a weird dude. You're 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 an alien weird dude. And Shooty yeah. sees them about to eat a baby. He's like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, no, you're just no, you're wrong. You're broken, dude. <laughs> it's like, and I cannot tell you. Um, I I don't know. And, and you know, I asked my wife because I I really did spend a long time today, and I took it to my wife and I said, help me. And she goes, you know, I, I kind of liked, I, I like Shooty Atlas' performance. And I'm like, okay, okay, why <laughs> is that? Because he's not a downer. So you're defining what's good about his performance by who he's not. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, I, you know, I'm tired of it being all down and dumpy. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm with you there. But that's not, that's not his positive. That's, well, I don't know. I, 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 don't think, know. I think but, it's, you know, it, it's, it's more than it's more than defined by a negative in the sense that there is there's a feeling that I, I think you get in this episode and I think is there in all of the kind of trailers that this is going to be fun, that you're gonna see the Doctor and Ruby having fun in a way that, you know, back in the the first David Tennant series, it was the Doctor and Rose having fun. They were out having a good time, and then all of the angst kind of crept in and I'm absolutely certain that it will creep in again but that's that's because he likes to draw the light and the dark and this is this is drawing the light and he likes to bring in the 19 year old blonde girls well yep yeah. although surely Billy Piper was older than that I think she was supposed to be like 19 though 
I have no she, idea. Yeah, how. no, she was actually. There was a re- there was a reference to her doing doing her A level. But I mean, I hadn't I hadn't seen Millie Gibson before, and I I thought you know I thought she was terrific. But I I did. I mean, I've got I've got to say it's there's something about Gatwa's performance which brings. It's not just it not being a downer. It is it's a kind of energy that it, that is that is I. I had a different reaction to that line because I see an enthusiasm in him. That that's what it's I supposed guess, to be. That's right. Yeah, but it's not just it an alien really. enthusiasm. It is this kind of enthusiasm for everything. You you see it in the club when he's dancing. You know, it's just he's very he he he's very kind of top gear all of the time, and I I think. For, for some in some actors that kind of top gear performance could get quite wearing none of that with with Gatwa. I just think it was all really really beautifully judged I I, I I I'm not I'm not making my final judgment yet so you know I think and I don't think you are either I think we're no. in different places now but I and I'm not I'm not saying I'm not gonna shift on this but right now I'm I'm thinking, yeah, well, for me, at least one of the big positives in this episode was him. Uh, well, uh, so a couple of things. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about while I was talking through with my wife about why she liked his performance, or which really was, you know, he's like, yeah, he's, he's not a downer. Paraphrasing, we did a whole, you and I did a whole series where we looked at Doctor's first episodes and then compared them mm-hmm. to what we subsequently know about how that Doctor was over the course of their time and you know a lot of the episodes that we looked at for their first episodes are not particularly indicative of the doctor as a whole indeed and so i'm not going to go out there and say nope this guy's a failure because it just didn't land for me but i'll come back to it on the page i can absolutely see what they're doing it's the enthusiasm it's the the, the whatnot but there's also a whimsy there that I'm not as crazy about, but it didn't land as natural. And, I, and I'll, I'll pull a couple examples here. We'll go way back. Pertwee and Baker are weird people. I think, I think in real life, they're probably weird people to some degree. And it comes off that way on, on you know, when you see them on the screen. I don't know about David Tennant. He may just be the most brilliant actor in the world, but he manages to pull that off. And... I mean, I, I just didn't work for me in this one. It, it didn't, it didn't, wasn't like, oh my God, that's terrible. It was just, that's unnatural. That's the most best word I can come up for is it feels, it, it runs the hackles up my back somehow as, as just not quite believable. And I think the fact that, that they've gone heavier towards the whimsy does not help because I, I don't know what to make of this new universe we live in, in Doctor Who, where physics isn't physics and and gravity is gravity isn't gravity and and uh, what what are the lines he's got here? He says we've got it's a new world, it's new physics, new science. He's he's learning this new world, and I think that's key. I think we're in a I kooky theory. I think this Mavity thing has got some legs and that we're going to have to fix that by the end of the season to get back to hopefully a real universe. 
that isn't full of intelligence string um, that can so talk, apparently. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy some of that. I think that, the, unfortunately, the Mavity thing is obviously not a kind of wild blue yonder only throwaway, which I, <laughs> I do find weird because I don't see how they're going to kind of resolve resolve the Isaac Newton storyline strand without having Donna in it. But anyway, okay, the 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 time time has been changed and that has had some effect. I don't think that has changed the physics of the universe. No, I think that's the I, toy I, I think perhaps I think that's changed in Earth time. Well, I, I don't I don't know that the physics of the universe has changed. The impression I got from that bit of dialogue was that the 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 goblins technology or physics or the science of whatever was going on there, the way that, I mean the ropes are a form of technology, I think, and it's something that the doctor hadn't encountered before. And we've discussed the fact that there are almost like phases in Doctor Who where you go from the doctor knows everything, has been everywhere, and yeah, whenever they come across something, it's the companion that's surprised, and it's the doctor that is, oh, this is this, that, and the other. Two times when the doctor comes across something, fr- frequently seems to come across things that he's never come across before, and that I think is what is going on with this, and that is something that. Uh, it, it does. It does appeal to me. I mean, I, can, I I think there's a balance to be struck. You you need you need the doctor to bring a little of the wisdom that he has from having spent however many hundreds or thousands of years traveling the universe that he has now. So you would you would expect him to have a level of knowledge that is several degrees of magnitude above those of certainly his human companions, but at the same time. I quite like it when he turns up on, you know, the planet Gerbil and he's never been there before and doesn't already know its entire history. And it, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a bit like that. That was the impression I got. So, you know, there's, there's like, I, I think, I don't think it's well thought out once again, but I'll, I'll say, I think Mavity is just, a clue for us that things aren't right that 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 this is not the playground we were in before prior to prior to that event and whether or not these are related whether or not that's i i think they probably but, are but, related but that not, event, they're not related to the is... moment in the yeah it's not the event it's not the event of changing mavity that did it I don't. I don't believe that is what it is. Gravity to mavity. I don't believe that's what it is. I just believe that this is a reminder to us that we're in a different place. The Doctor is is coming to grips with this this different world, new physics, new science. And I don't think that you know we can make the argument that they have different physics. I, I of course, you know, we've got intelligent gloves that can defy all physics. So I don't know. I just that feels to me like Mavity is the shorthand for something is amiss that needs to be straightened out. And I, you know, there's plenty of clues in this episode that there is something amiss that needs to be straightened out. But really, you know, Goblin King's flying in a ship over London. This is, you know, this is, this is fairy tale stories. 
yeah and it's a christmas special and that is also like really hard but on the other hand you know rtd is like the guy who made santa claus at turn out to be you know, kind of a robot thing and and the christmas star that everyone thinks about is actually in our uh arachno ship and you know that, that these are that there are alien explanations to these things and and yet this one seems to be like now we're actually taking the full-on fantasy i don't know i didn't i, I didn't know. feel like it full feels on different to me it, it to to me it felt like the the stuff about feeding on coincidence or whatever it wasn't it wasn't any more extreme than quite a number of Doctor Who stories. This is stories. a direct. This uh, is a direct result of salt at the end of the universe. This this is that. Mm. This is that. This is part of that. They he's he's let the things that don't exist, the superstition things in. That's well. I was what, I was wondering is. what yes I was wondering what your conjecture what was as to what the event that had precipitated this change and it, yes it could be the salt I, I i'm not convinced the only the only kind of fantastical thing it seemed to me about the goblins that what you know that wasn't kind of explained by the reverse the polarity style mumbo jumbo was the fact that when the goblin king got spiked on the church steeple the entire ship just popped yeah out of existence and that like I say, was convenient, but it didn't. It it didn't really have any foundation in anything that we'd already learnt in the plot. Yeah, it's just there was. It was just well, and, and including is, the new physics. This is me going back to my complaint about. Um, I can't think of the the episode. Uh, new 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 York with the cat people. Which one was that one? New Earth. Um, oh, is it just New Earth? Or, no or gridlock. The name. Gridlock. Yeah, I think it's gridlock. No, it's not gridlock. It's it's no, it's New Earth. It's it must be New Earth. Because it's the one where at the end he just they're all about to die and then suddenly grabs a bucket of slop and splashes it on him and we're done. And I'm like, yeah, that's RTD writing. Yeah. yeah, that's RTD writing in a nutshell. Uh drama, 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 tension, tension, tension. Oh, it's all thing. That's ah, salt. And that's what happened here. <laughs> it's just exactly what happened here. In fact, he was he he jumped down a thing, I, I think on a rope. It was a rope in New Earth, and it was uh, uh, it was a ladder on this one, um, <laughs> and and brought down and murdered the Goblin King. Uh, well, uh, let's call it manslaughter, but um, a gob slaughter. Oh, that's a good. Thing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I like that gob slaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as you you you've said it, they were just kind of disposable, <laughs> and they were fun. That was you know something that was the best part about the episode to me was the realization of the goblins. I I'll, I'll go out there and say I thought that they suitably fit the Christmas theme, that they were just hokey enough, but just well done enough that I thought the movie Gremlins all the way through, um, uh, and. Yeah. I thought they did really well at that. I will say that they're not very good at setting their traps because in the uh, at the interview at the beginning, they um, they set the trap in the wrong order. They moved the bait first, the coffee, then they then they tightened the wire that that she would trip over, and then they hooked it up so that it would pull the light 
thing. You should definitely set the trap first before you move the bait, right? They should have done all that other stuff first, then moved the cup on the woman so that she'd have to step. Because otherwise, it could go really wrong on you. But, but you know, it, nonetheless, it was an amusing scene. And it wasn't until the second time through that I saw that. I go, yeah, you should have done that the other way. But, um, yeah, um, don't don't think. And I, I can't. I can't do that when I'm taking notes. So like, but I did, I liked the, I liked the goblins, not so much the goblin King. Um, that was just, okay. Big, big blobby thing that, that the church on Ruby road, which played so little part in this episode, uh, was named after. Yeah. Good title though. It's not a bad title. I'll give it that. Um, I am going to bring up something here. Speaking of my, we, I, we, I guess we can go into the, um, is Ruby a plant? I definitely don't think that Russell T Davies. Is <laughs> no, going that to make... took that took me a while there because I was I was thinking, um, you know, seeds of doom, crinoid, yeah, kind of yeah. No, no, no. I mean, so Russell T Davies is absolutely not going to make. This is the guy that brought back David Tennant just so he could not kill him off. Uh, you know, he he is not going to give. He's not going to make Ruby evil, bad, anything like that. Hello. She's a cog in some sort of game that I I genuinely believe. And they very much, you know, there's that whole, well, we can't find any evidence of your family. Now, I don't know how the, the show Long Lost Families go, but I do a little know about DNA. And even if you can't find anybody's family, a DNA test tells you a lot of different things like your ethnicity and, and a number of other factors that I think they would have, Said, you know, we don't know who your parents are, but you know, we've narrowed it down that you're but you're two point five cents Swedish. Yeah, you know, and and stuff like that, and they didn't do that, and I'm I'm kind of wondering if that's because you know we're going to turn out Ruby's a genetically engineered human, or Ruby's a, an alien, or Ruby's a you know whatever something that would not match human DNA, except I would think that it would match human DNA, but. <laughs> I have a point, but it I have that. could be that you're reading a little bit too much into that because it could also be that it's just a yes pl plot contrivance Not in order to have that second phone call with Davina McCall and lead into her getting crushed by the Christmas tree. Then let me ask you this question: in the uh, in the sequence where they had Lula Bell uh, up aboard the ship, uh, what, what did the goblins what did the goblins plan to eat? What did they? What did they say they were going to eat? What did they sing they were going to eat? They the said baby it over and over again. The baby, that's right. Yeah. What did they say they were going to they eat when they were the going to eat Ruby? I. They didn't I don't call know. her a baby. They called her the Beast over and over again. Oh, I missed eat that. The oh, eat the Beast. Eat the Beast. So interesting. I mean, I, 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 de I. I I don't I don't I'm not I'm not dismissing entirely the idea that there is something significant to the fact that they were unable to track down Ruby's relatives and mm -hmm. obviously the question of who was it who left Ruby at the church on Ruby Road is something that we're going to come back to I mean it can't be as obvious as being Mrs Flood right I, I don't think it's if, Mrs. Flood, and a lot of people even say if that it is, We still need to know who Mrs. Flood is, so that would even solve the mystery if it's true. Okay, well, hold on. I, I want to point one other thing else about that particular, not about Mrs. Flood, but about the, the mother. 
the opening narration, which I hate, um, but once again, the Great. opening narration kind of was by Shooty, but he was not in the character of the doctor. And there are two things that he said, that the narrator said. Now, I don't know if we can take the narrator's words for facts, but because he is not the doctor in this sequence, I think we can take it. And the two things were that that was Ruby's mother that left her and that they did not know the identity of that woman until the doctor came that night. Because it's very clear that the yep. doctor knew the identity of that woman that night. And yet we saw the whole sequence and he never went near her. So he somehow identified that woman back somehow. I don't know. So yeah, there's there's no doubt that Ruby is is something. Whether not her herself, she is a piece of she's the bait or she's something, but she is um, you know, there as a as a part of a nefarious scheme uh, along the way. Did you you've only you said you only watched it once. Yes, sir. Did you notice that um Mrs. Flood's personality changed completely mid mid episode? Yes. Right, right at the moment where she dropped her groceries and was terrified when she saw the TARDIS disappear. When we come back, she's, I'll put nice in quotation marks, but she's nice to everyone, including Abdul, who she clearly hates. And she'd set a chair out on her doorstep so she could sit and watch what was going on, you know. And now she's all friendly. And of course, at the end, she gives that bit about, you think they'd never seen a TARDIS before something. It was, I mean, I know, I so I noticed that shift. The fact, the fact that she's that she has has that line, you know, like Abdul had never seen the TARDIS before. But then earlier in the episode, she was claiming that Abdul had put the TARDIS there because mm -hmm. he hates her and he wanted to do it in order to annoy her. Which, okay, um, I, I, my interpretation of that again, one viewing. So you know, it, I can see. This is not necessarily going to be a very informed or correct view on it. But my interpretation of that was that Mrs. Flood had been dissembling. She had been pretending earlier in the episode not to know what a TARDIS was. And there was a whole act going on. And then later on, we were seeing her behaving in different ways with different people because it was about who she was putting up the front for could be could be or could be she was this taken could, over it, well it, it could be I, mean, I hadn't even occurred to me that she was taken over and it and it absolutely could be a, and replaced you know, I, or, I think yeah. i do need I, I do need to watch it again and that you know that that's a perfectly that that would make sense and i wonder if it is one of the one of these kind of time of the angels type coat situation <laughs> RTD's trying to replicate Stephen Moffat now. Come on, he's not going to accomplish well, this. <laughs> it, but maybe, well, maybe. I mean, that was, that 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 was kind of my reaction. It was like with with Moffat, we were all looking at those details and the coat changing. And I don't, I mean, I think Moffat made choices that were just a, a bit random sometimes, or you know, they they may have sure. come about through making a change making a change late late in the you know near final draft and then not going back and be, and having time to correct everything else so there is 
there are difficulties there when you're trying to be that intricate and every detail that appears on screen has this kind of hidden significance. But he did pull it off there. He absolutely did pull it off. He he presented that to those people, and I wasn't among them, those people who were sharp-eyed enough to spot this thing, who then, you know, got got the payoff in the reveal at the end of the season. It's just that you know again there are two there are two there are two there were two explanations then one was that this was a continuity error that the costume department or whoever had just you know picked picked the wrong coat and the other explanation was it was Moffat writing something incredibly clever and there are two explanations going on here like what one one is that in the somewhere in the performance or the direction or just the way that Davies has written it, it you know in terms of this character hiding her true nature, there is this inconsistency on screen. And the other is that he is being very clever in presenting a a kind of mid-episode possession or alien takeover really? of the character in such a subtle way that someone like me could watch it and not spot that happening. It's possible. I'm really? not ruling it out. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Uh, well, you know, the other... Th- the other thing is, I feel like, I feel like you can kind of feel a certain antagonism that that Mrs. Flood has to Abdul, and yet, at the end, it's like she's talking to a completely different person, or she is a different person, and and Abdul is just, you know, a guy standing there that I'm gonna, not like somebody I have a history of disliking, and, you know, and hating, as I think Ruby said, you two hate each other, something to that effect. Now, I, I'll I'll throw this one out there. This one is a, a genuine, I don't know, after the show sort of ends and then we cut back to Mrs. Flood and she says, well, I haven't seen a TARDIS before and winks at the camera. She is breaking the fourth wall there and it could just be a jolly old Christmas nothing. Feast of Stephen. Yeah, could be. I'm sure it's a nod to that. So... I genuinely don't know, but when I watched it the second time, because I noticed she seemed an awful lot nicer to Abdul than she had given indication of before. I could, I could, noticed could it be anything? that she really was shocked when she saw the TARDIS disappear. You know, she yeah, was walking yeah. down the street and she did do the whole, ah, and drop the, uh, but then it pops when... in and out over and over again and she doesn't care. In fact, she's sitting there watching it like it's like she's, if she had a sure. box of sure. popcorn, it would have been perfect. I need to. I need to watch it again. Obviously, when the TARDIS disappears and she's shocked by it, that's when the Doctor goes back to two thousand and four or whatever it is, and might change time. Is too. it possible that he changes her timeline, and that when we come back, even though he's fixed the Ruby thing, there's something about her that has been changed by his the whole. It's going back it's to a time. wonderful life. It's possible. And I, I did it did cross my mind, but here's the other thing. She seems a whole lot more sinister in the second half of the episode. You know, she's yeah, got yeah, that yeah. jolly, but her eyes look so much more calculating and evil. You know, the smile on the face, but the the basically the missy look when she's not mad. Sure. <laughs> like not saying so, that's the master, so- but but you know, well, that, that, this is this is one of the, the things. I, 
this is one of the things I've got to ask because obviously I've seen the various, the usual suggestions that come out about this. It's the Rani. Is it, is it Missy? The Rani is the, the Rani is the first one that I saw because that always that always comes up. And you know, there's that's some always for women. Now that's been that's been thrown. I mean, if Russell well, T Davies exactly. wanted to do this, they should have a man come back, and then no one will get no one will guess it's the Rani, and then it's the Rani. Oh. But there, but there, but there are other there are other more left field possibilities. I think. I mean, I I can't. I honestly haven't managed to keep in my head enough of what happened in the flux to remember what happened to Tech Twin at the end. But um, there's also I remember, and again, don't remember the details from the end of time. But all of that speculation about Claire Bloom's character in that, yeah, which I don't think we got properly resolved, and in particular with with that, I I'm sure that. Russell T Davies good because that that was basically the end of his run yeah but I'm sure that if he had something in mind for what he thought she was he won't have like chucked it away and now he's back running the show again he will be looking through his file of old ideas and if he still thinks that's a good one then maybe he's going to weave it in so that to for me that's that's the most likely one but i i i kind of hope that it's not any of those things that it is some new um mysterious adversary who happens to know what tardises are because i i one of the yeah. things i did enjoy about this episode was that it was completely fresh new doctor new companion no returning monsters it's, you know, a bit like going back to that wonderful beginning of the, the Jodie Whittaker season where it was all just completely new stuff. And it would be wonderful if, you know, we could have another season of that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit on something as he, RTD going back to his file of old ideas. I kind of think I could be wrong, but my impression so far is that all he's got is his file of old ideas but there we go well that well, that was what i wasn't going to say because i am i am really really trying to i just well i've gone over it over the last three episodes enough yeah. i'm i'm just i'm just really wanting the the new rtd to be as exciting as having a new showrunner because i'm i feel i'm missing out on having a new showrunner take it on so but you know this this was a genuinely an episode without any of those kind of returning things it certainly had the rtd hallmarks on it but it also had a and you know one of those was bringing davina mccall back obviously but uh you know that's a minor thing as these things go and it did have a kind of different style and a different feel from it it may be partly to do with the new leads and everything but from 13 years ago um let's see in the in the assumption that that woman is left over from the rtd era which i it did cross my mind and all the speculation there was mostly either the ronnie or the doctor's mother and now we know the doctor doesn't have a mother or does the doctor have a mother would this be would this be the doctor's adopted mother not dead or would this be the doctor's real mother who abandoned him as a foundling on another universe? Uh huh. Uh huh. Just, I just throw I that out I, there. 
I do. I do think the. I do think the way in which which would be a coincidence, in, wouldn't it? Well, the way in which he's leaning into. I mean, because he's writing a foundling story. Why is he chosen to do a foundling story? I'm sure it's because he is leaning into the timeless child stuff, and I don't think he would be doing that if he hadn't decided that he wasn't going to develop it. He was going. To, he was, he's going to take it further in some way that because obviously there there must have been more to that story and I assume he will have talked to Chris Chibnall about it that Chibnall would have developed if he hadn't had the 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 kind of COVID-19 curtailing of his final season and so you know that I mean that obviously leaves Davis with a choice of I just ditch this and do something completely different or I get what Chibnall's ideas were and I you know pick the ones I like and I run with it to develop something that takes it further. And I, I don't think he would be, I don't think he would be making as much of a fuss about it if he wasn't planning to do something with it himself. Yeah. I, I was very disappointed in that. Yeah. I'm a, I just found out I'm adopted. Like, uh, you could have just forgotten that. We could have just forgotten that in the whole half human thing, you know, just never say it again. And, and let's just go. <laughs> Like, let's go, but yes, by by bringing it up, uh, yeah, I'm ho- I'm holding judgment off. I did not like the timeless child thing, but it's done now. The question for me is whether Davis can come up with an interesting story using that, because yeah. in a way, it, well, whether it fixes it or not, I mean, I don't think it will fix it for me. I don't like it, but this is this is in a way something new, and he can either do something new that's you know genuinely. Based well, either based on something else or based on something he's just created for the purpose of this story, or he can pick up on what's there and create something new based on that. And I'm not going to, uh, I, I'm if if he if he comes up with something good, I'm not going to feel that that's any less good because it's connected with the timeless child story. You know, I I don't like it. I'll never like it, but. If it leads for to it to be good, good, it has to do something to make the timeless child less offensive. That well, that's, yeah, I, I mean, get, I, mean I guess it, it it will it will make it less offensive in my in my I mean it's part it's partly it's the got to make it make time. sense. It's got to make it make sense. Just does. I think, I think what it I think what it does is it is it motivates it. It makes you feel like there is if if it leads into a story that's good it feels like there is some purpose to it even if in the lead-in it is still a mess i mean you don't i don't think you'll fix that i don't think you'll fix that ever but then i think uh, for all of the things that have been air quotes fixed they're not you you go back and watch those episodes you know you know at the time they were just a horrible mess and all, all, all that you have is the context to know that. Well, at least you know when when you get to the the nadir of that stuff, you know. Well, at least this is as bad as it gets, or at least you know there's a good episode in a couple of couple of stories time, or whatever it may be. The thing that I don't like, and the thing that I was I was particularly worrying about in the giggle, I guess, was that I felt like I don't like this, and I and I'm worried it's going to get worse. I you know with yeah. the bi-generation stuff. Well, it hasn't got worse at least so far. The bi-generation stuff that was a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm starting to forget about it um, because we've had 
you know, the church on Ruby Road without any by generation nonsense. You know, the doctor hasn't turned up. Donna, the other doctor hasn't turned up. Donna hasn't turned up. As long as they don't, I'll be allowed to just quietly forget that it happened. Um, a couple of things. Uh, this one's just in the category of, you know, we've complained about the sonic screwdriver being able to do, you know, whatever the magic wand needs to do. But in, in a single episode, we have the sonic screwdriver needs screws to work so that it can't work on a door. I'm working right. Yep. <laughs> or then we go to, and when it dings, it's found a two carat diamond on somebody else in the area. I well, it is, de- it is definitely a new with a passion. I, yeah, it is definitely a new Sonic screw. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to say I liked it, but I had this feeling in that moment of the Paul McGann 1996 movie where he goes around telling everyone what's in their future, even though there's no possible way he could have memorized what everyone on earth who he doesn't know he's going to bump into is going to, is going to kind of grow up and become. And, and so I, I was worried that he somehow knew what this policeman would do rather than that he was just using a little bit of knowledge, like he's got the diamond and extrapolating from that, which I preferred and that made me forget and forgive the screwdriver nonsense. Well, I mean, it, it extrapolates only up to the point where the only thing that he was able to extrapolate there was that his partner was a female, that she will say yes. No. <laughs> that, that's just... Nah. Nah. You, you bought it early. That means she'll say yes because you didn't wait around. And so that's, you're that kind of person. How does he know that she isn't a tightwad and go, wait, you didn't wait till the sales? Oh, we're going to be bankrupt if I marry you. Never mind. I, 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 well, I think no. the thing about I, it is we don't, we don't know that. We don't know that the doctor actually, he, he you know. I, he, do, do, I know you're not married, so I, I can't answer. I can't ask you from your own personal opinion to answer this question. Um, he says something to the effect of, I'm assuming that your partner's a woman because it's a diamond and 81% of men wouldn't pick it. Something like that. Men wouldn't pick a diamond. And it's like, okay, the person you're going to ask to marry you does not pick the ring. The man, in this case, the PC is a man. He's going to pick something. He picked a diamond. If his partner was a man, he'd still pick a diamond because He's a man picking a diamond. It didn't make it didn't make a whole lot of sense unless there's been some did, recent article about customs of same sex couples choosing their stones or something. But you'd assume that he would s- have. You'd assume you'd assume that he would have at least tried to surreptitiously find out what kind of stone she would like in the ring, but before he goes. Okay, I've never met anybody that did that. Men again, that could be a. That could be a same-sex thing. You just, you know, it's an engagement, right? You buy a diamond. No, it could, it could, um, it could be. You know, he asks her friends, or he, you know, gives her a hypothetical about what if, you know, someone else were. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm, or just he knows that she loves diamonds. I mean, I, I don't know. And it, it, in a way, I think the ambiguity of it 
saved it a little bit because it could just be the doctor, you know, not knowing what she's going to say at all, but just saying what he thinks is going to be the most encouraging so that he'll go away. You know, he will, he'll go, he'll go away or, or, you know, that he will go ahead and go ahead with the proposal, you know, because he wants to encourage him to give it a try. I don't know. Um, yeah. I did. I didn't. I didn't particularly like. I didn't. I didn't like that. But I prefer. I preferred the nonsense with the screwdriver to the doctor knowing what is going to happen. Yeah, it's just odd that you put it at the opposite ends of the spectrum in this particular episode about what it can and cannot do. Yeah, it's got to have screws, but unless it's a diamond, I know. I know the Sonic well, can do all this. It's just okay, odd that okay. they would call that out. Especially when it's been well established that what the Sonic doesn't work on is wood, and it was a wooden door. Yes, that's the that's the other. But okay, yeah, he should have. He should have watched. Maybe it's because it's a different universe. Difference. Yeah, he should have paid attention. He should should have watched the Day of the Doctor again. Yeah, but uh, but, definitely uh, should watch the Day of the Doctor again many times. Learn something from it. We all should. Um, We all should. (laughs) But. What I wanted to ask you about was the gloves, because yeah. the, the, the Sonic I'm used to, but the gloves, that's like an extra egregious piece of magic technology. Yes, it was. I, I, not only, you know, it, not only was it an egregious piece of magic technology, at least the way he explained it, whatever you want to call that as an explanation, but to then turn around and say, and if you reverse it, you you weigh more. I just didn't. It, it, it didn't make any sense that the gloves increase. It just didn't make any sense. <laughs> it did. It, you're you're right. It didn't make any sense. And the annoying thing about it is that you know that the reason for having the gloves in the first place was so that they could be reversed, because you could yep. have solved the let's climb up the ladder bit by just climbing up the ladder. Climbing up the ladder. (laughs) Yes. 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 It was. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the ladder, I thought, you know, in a generally well done technically episode, I think the scene where the doctor leaps onto the ladder looks terrible. Yeah. It it just, it looks wrong. And, And unfortunately they showed that like a million times in all the trailers and whatnot, but it just, it does not look like the doctor leaped over and grabbed onto that ladder. No, it's a tough one to do so. Yeah, I suspected I suspect it is a, a tough one to do, but it just it didn't it didn't work. Um one thing I want to mention about the character of the doctor is there were a couple times in this episode where he made I don't know, it felt like questionable decisions to me. When Ruby disappeared did carla still know who he was why would he even be in the room cherry neither carla nor cherry seemed to be worried about a strange man standing in their house no but in a way in a way i don't think that's necessarily an effect of the situation so much as an effect of the way in which the timelines resolve because in in one sense kind of proper properly deterministic approach to that change should result in the doctor not being in the house anyway 
because the yep. reason he's in the house is because of Ruby. And if Ruby, but he's immune, hasn't, he's a hadn't been there. Well, it, well, exactly. But then, the, as the timelines write themselves, then how how is that experienced from Carla's point of view? Uh, I don't, I don't quite know. I don't know what point he appears. And yeah, and well, he's he's in the house with them, and he's he's running up and down talking about stuff. And they're like, yeah, what but are you is, that the about, first, is that the first they see of him? Because because w- wouldn't I he? No, would would he not already have come into the house? Isn't there a, isn't there a bit of an alternate timeline that we haven't seen? And if there isn't, but if when there he is leaves, a sudden kind of mashing of the two timelines, then. Maybe there's something about the way those timelines merge that you know the the people involved in it just can't conceive of what's going on. They have to rationalise why suddenly there is a a man in the house because it's not he's not just appeared in the normal sense. He's he's come from a different timeline. Yeah. So he leaves the house and then he comes back in. And what does he do? He has to break in all the way with the Sonic. That was weird. He, and he, and that that's a choice. We, yes, that's a choice. He just ran into somebody's house who may not recognize him. Two old women who, and he's a strange man, barging into, breaking into their house and running up and down and ranting. I, that was an odd choice. And here's another one that I thought was a really odd choice. He saves the woman with the pram from the snowman falling on her, which apparently wouldn't have been fatal anyway. But okay, she saves the woman. He saves the woman with a pram and then he gets bonked on the head, but he's fine and he pops out. And what is the first thing he does? He complains at her. Walking a baby at midnight? It's like, how about are you all right? Uh or and and the woman, of well, course. Well, she's obviously all right. But yeah, and confronted by a man who just saved her life, but then pops out and complains about a pram. She's she's you know, are you all right? And, and there's no thank you for saving my life. There's no gratitude there. There's just look. I'm buying my groceries after my shopping. It, it's an odd scene. The doctor doesn't come off well. The woman doesn't come off well. Nobody comes off well in that scene. And I asked myself the question: If she hadn't been pushing a pram, does that mean the doctor wouldn't have saved her? Because he <laughs> seems he seems genuinely upset that she was not pushing. A baby, you know. I mean, I wasted See, this to effort. To me, you just doesn't come off right. The odd, the oddest thing about that is that he's surprised at her pushing a pram at that time of, of night. And I, you know, I say that as someone who's not a parent, but I know yeah, you do. I know with kids that if if they don't sleep and what they need is to be pushed around, then that's what you do. You know, yeah. I, my kids had to be put in a car and driven around, and that's what you do, even if it's one in the morning. <laughs> but exactly, strap them in the car seat, you drive them around the town. You just do. So it's just odd that that was just the first thought out of his out of his mind. Was you know, it's like I did this because you had a baby, and it's like no, the doctor would have done that for anybody. The doctor would have done that if it was a you know if it was a stray cat on the street. He'd have done it if it was one of the goblins, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just odd. Um, it's just, it's just odd. Um, part of the reason why this character doesn't quite, I don't know, it's still not quite, he, he doesn't come off as, comes off as forced, but also wrong there and not wrong in an explainable way. Yeah. 
just from a set design kind of thing. Uh, wow, that is a hell of a big apartment that those people have. <laughs> it's uh, it felt like it's about a mile long. Yeah, it does not. It also does not fit spatially with what we saw. And so you know, the doctor came up, comes up the stairs. The stairs are on one side, <clears throat> and then her apartment is off on one side of it. And so that means it's only half the width of the building that they're in. But, okay, so let's say it's running the entire length. Maybe it's running over all the other people underneath them, kind of like in the uh, Star Beast where the doctor was breaking through the walls. Maybe they've taken that apartment and they've, they've knocked out the attic and they've they've stretched it the entire length, which is why it's an odd shape, but it's very large. But it's still only half of the building left to right See what I'm saying? Not lengthwise, widthwise. It's it's only because of the way the steps work and the way the doctor entered the building. And then we see Ruby go up through the window on the ceiling. And we know how big that room house is because they were standing on it. It just doesn't look like it fits. So, you know, it's a TARDIS. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't know that I have uh, anything else. I... Uh, I already mentioned Doctor hanging out with teenage girls, and it, I have just one note, Intelligent Gloves, at the last here at the end, um, <laughs> which we've already touched on. It's like, uh, please stop with that. Please, please stop with that, RTD. Make the Doctor solve his problems with his brain, not... I I, I don't I, I don't have anything about the episode um, either. I do, I do have a question. Um, because I think you watched this on Disney Plus. Did you get a Doctor Who will return in 2024 message on the screen? Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like after it. the credits. After the credits. Or, after. Or after. Is there the... during, it was after. It was after. It was, wasn't at the end of the credits. It was after the credits started. You presumably got the credits started after the Doctor says said, new home, doctor. new 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 place, new home, new something or other like that, and then it fell back to Mrs. Flood talking to the camera. Yeah. But but then you roll the credits and there was nothing there was nothing else. No, I I, I just I just want uh, it it's that thing I mean, we had the big writing last time that I disliked and and now it's Doctor Who will return in 2024. It's it, it's something about yeah, something like that. the way in which the way in which Russell T Davis wants the the show to feel very current it's you know it's last time he had i mean it's part of part of having davina mccall in it i think last time he had davina mccall in it was because he was doing the send-up of the big brother and everything and it was very much in the television of the moment but one of the things that seems odd about doing this now is that i mean i mean already they they they've had to kind of change the version of the episodes that get released onto the home media for some of these things compared to the, the version that gets transmitted. But now it's actually going straight onto streaming. It's, you know, they're, they're mindful of the fact it's going onto iPlayer. It's going onto Disney plus. So to have a message saying Dr. Who will return in 2024 in an episode that pretty soon people are going to be watching in 2024. I mean, lots of people are going to be watching and mm-hmm. in years to come, they will be watching it. You know, they're going to have to change the version of the episode that they put on there. And it, yeah, I mean, it just, I think they'll just drop know. that. I think they'll just drop that. I think they'll just cut it out. I, I'm sure, I'm sure they will, but us. I want, I wondered why it was such a, an important thing to include 
include that within the the kind of on-screen presentation rather than as you say it could be after the end of the credits or it could be a you know for the bbc one broadcast it could be a continuity announcer or whatever i i so, never liked the way they did the next time trailers on during the rtd era particularly i i always well, now, hated well, the now, fact well, that now, they got course, to the trailer before the credits yes no, no, no. I, I, I hated that. But now, of course, we, we're in this slightly weird thing. If they don't have a next time trailer at all, if you they want did, to though. see what's it's happening up on next YouTube. time, yeah, yeah, indeed, you've got to go and you've got to go and look for it. So I wondered if we should just spend a moment discussing that the kind of fifty five seconds of what's going to be in so called season one or actual season forty. Yeah, uh, we could. I don't. I watched it once. I thought, "Oh God," <laughs> that was my response. I'm, oh God! I mean, I, 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 I want, I want to watch it sooner rather than later, and I suspect it will. I, I suspect it will be earlier in the year. Um, it's May, but what? Of, I think it's been announced. Uh, we, do we know? It's May. Do we know? Oh, that's I much later. Believe than I believe so. I Maybe believe that's so. because it's only going to be eight episodes or so. So. Because they wouldn't run it over the summer, but I guess May, June then. I mean, one of the things I wondered was, is it going back to the old template where you have, you know, an episode in the future, an episode in the past? We've obviously got a period <laughs> a period episode there. Although the Beatles episode's obviously in the past, and I didn't really see. There was some spaceshipy corridor thing, but there was also a fair bit of present day stuff. Um, I want an explanation yeah, no, I mean, how Shooty's hair goes in and out. <laughs> well, I think that's all part of the uh, part of the radical costume changing. Oh, one, one thing, and this actually this does come back to the episode. It is it is one thing I just wanted to to mention about it, and I forgot to make a note. Was that this this episode felt very much? And you you mentioned the fact we talked about the various Doctors' first episodes, and I think when we talked about the giggle, I questioned whether this would count as. Gatwa's first episode because he gets 20 minutes in the giggle it's you know it's a substantial piece of performance but almost always the first episode for a doctor involves some you know even even rose the doctor is looking in a mirror and inspecting his new ears mm -hmm. it involves some kind of allusion to the fact that he is new in his body there is no allusion to the fact that he's new in his body in this episode you know it feels like He's had, you know, I don't know if this is just leaving a big gap for big finish, but it feels like he's had a bunch of adventures. He's certainly had time to completely redesign his sonic screwdriver yet again. Yeah, but the TARDIS I, just pops those out like Tic Tacs, you know. Well, I mean, it it could be that it could, and and there's, there's, I don't suppose they're going to nail it down. It's just to me, it had the feel of he's already had time to kind of get used to his new self that he's maybe made a few trips already and so the what what's new about this is is more it's new ruby rather than new incarnation of the doctor the, that's the feel i mean obviously for us it is a new incarnation of the doctor but i i, I don't know i just i kind of felt that i kind i quite liked that so for all the things that i hated about the giggle the fact that it's sort of got that new doctor bit out of the way so that we can pick pick up the story 
maybe for him a few adventures down the line. It 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 was quite an interesting feel, and I liked it. As we said, you know, when we're discussing the change in costume from Whitaker to Tennant, and that RTD just said, you know, just didn't want to waste any time on a on a costume change scene. It's like I, as we rightly pointed out, and I'll still stand by this. He could have just been in her clothes and then the next time we see him he arrives and he's wearing a new outfit because he's changed clothes we don't need to see the doctor change clothes every time and i can understand when you have a limited amount of screen time and we have you know gone we have gone down an awful lot of screen time for a season of doctor who since its heyday and you don't have maybe time to waste on a musical number while they futz around picking their tie got that He's already done that, <laughs> and I, I I don't I don't disagree with that. It's it's not necessary. It's a it's a fun bit of Doctor Who history and a nod to it here and there maybe, but you don't need to make a big production out of it. The one that I can truly understand is not making a big production out of regeneration trauma. It doesn't need to be an entire story of the Doctor fighting, you know, with his falling apart these things they're different from one regeneration to the next this could be just like yeah i had a headache for a few hours and then i was fine and and it and and it serves a certain it serves a certain purpose because i mean i i I imagine you're thinking of castrovalva and but that was the point of the story part of it it was part it was part part of the point of the story and it was also partly because tom baker had been the doctor for seven years and I, I think there was a greater need to mark that in some way. I, I also think Fair that if you, look at the, if you look at the Christmas invasion, the, the, the kind of trauma basically knocks the Doctor out of it for half, half the episode or whatever it is, um, possibly even more. But that's because we've got Rose, who we are familiar with, who is the viewer's proxy. And so it's her coming to terms with the change of the Doctor. And I think... Right. I, I again I think I quite like that. But what what I what I think works well in this instance and you know as you say no particular reason why you have to have the regeneration trauma and dispensing with it here allows you to to kind of flick that switch over to we're actually getting most of the initial part of the story from Ruby's perspective and the doctor is kind of flitting in and out of the story you know, it's not focused on exactly him like his, Rose. It, exactly like Rose. Yeah, it's it is it is a in many ways a retread of Rose. Except in Rose, Rose spent more time pursuing the mystery of the Doctor. Yes, I, that does not happen in this episode. No, um, it 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 is un, part of that odd structure that just kind of we waste more time watching Ruby hang out in clubs and play in a band and whatnot so i don't know it's it's uneven it's uneven um i don't have anything else to you nope that's it that's it for doctor who 2023 i can and i think i can say what in a very rare circumstance and next time it's bugs nuclear family (laughs) so anyway simon thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always and listeners I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation and find other content at FusionPatrol.com. And we're back on social media, where you can also follow us on Mastodon and the Fediverse. Our address is at podcast at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Bugs episode, Nuclear Family. When we discuss whether a weapon might be developed specifically to kill the second person in a conga line, why a writer might withdraw their name from their work, and in which Eugene relates his Ronald Reagan story. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.